What's going on, folks? And welcome to another episode of Thoroughbred Teamsters Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Rich from Northern California's Local 315. Woo! Feeling good today. Feeling good. Uh, interesting day. Uh, it was a good day, even though the weather kind of sucked. Not a lot of people out walking today. It kind of felt like a normal day instead of seeing just this ridiculous amount of people walking and riding around. The weather kept everybody in, and it just felt felt a little bit normal today. Um, and plus, another thing was today. Today is Monday, so today is Monday evening. I get into work, and there's a check sitting there for me. Now, I had the week prior off, not last week, but the week before, and... When you don't work, you don't get paid. So I wasn't expecting a check last week. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe it's one of those blank checks or, you know, just shows a deduction or something that I owe. I don't know. And I didn't think too much of it, kind of walking around with it. And I ended up opening it up and I was like, huh, it's a check. I mean, it's an actual check. There's money here. Hmm. Oh, no, don't tell me I... Did I have next week off? <laughs> Actually, you know what? I thought I might have been off that today. Like when I opened So basically it was a vacation check. And I thought, am I? Because it was still before 830. <laughs> I was like, am I supposed to be here today? I had to double check, but it was for next week. So that's just as good. Uh, it's a great feeling. Let me tell you, that is a great feeling. It's kind of like, have you ever showed up to work on a Friday thinking it was Thursday all day? And then someone tells you have a good weekend and you're like, wait, what? And you realize it's Friday, like you know that happens at least once or twice a year, at least to me. Uh, it's a great feeling, but it was like that, except maybe like ten times more. So uh, glad to have next week off. I've only been to work for a week. I've only been back for a week, and I feel like I already need another another break. So looking forward to that. Let's get this episode started. Uh, this is going to be a good one. So interview with Zach Flash. Now Zach is a steward out of Teamsters Eight Eight Six in Oklahoma City. Uh, he's also the founder of Stewards Resource Center. Uh, awesome resource, by the way. That's actually how we we started connecting. Uh, a buddy of mine at, at in the Oakley Building actually told me about the site, and uh, we we hit it off right away. So great resource. Check him out, Stewards Resource Center on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, you know, and and he he grew up in a working class family. Uh, he's he's been engaged in a lot of stuff throughout his adult life and even uh you know younger younger teens as as we mentioned throughout the uh throughout the episode uh he he's a non-profit professional he's a writer a speaker a labor organizer as i mentioned also a package car driver and he's a foster dad and my most favorite an anarchist educator and strategist uh which i've read upon a lot of uh, in my previous courses, I've actually mentioned them in the episodes before. Um, you know, just, just that was the most fascinating. And I wish we could have got to it again. Let me, let me, let me give you a quick behind the scenes real quick. I came in with the game plan and we just went off on a different one and it was fun. And it wasn't, I didn't have to worry about what was going to be said next or how to ask or, or, or what keeping it real. It was just, a. a a genuine conversation between two union brothers from different states and can, couldn't the states couldn't be any more complete opposites and you can just you can you can tell we hit it off it, it was it was it was a great conversation i could have 
went four times as long, but you know, we got families and shit. So, you know, enjoy this conversation. Uh, again, hit Zach up steward resource center, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, let's get this one started. I got Zach flash with me right now. Welcome to the show, Zach. Hey, happy to be here. Hey brother. Uh, I truly do appreciate your time. I know as we were uh, just joking around, it's amazing how busy we can be, even though we are stuck in our houses. Uh, so uh, we were able to make this happen, and uh, you know I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We had a, we had a good conversation yesterday, and I, I look forward to it. It was brief, but we could tell that it was going to be a good one. So I look forward to continuing it right now. Yeah, it was one of those things where uh, where I was like, "Hey, we we got to cut this off. This is this is some premium content. This is some uh, some uh, some content that people pay for. You know what I mean? This is the real deal. So I had to hold off, get on the phone here today." And, uh, and I'm, I'm glad to be on the air. I'm glad to be on here with you. I, I really appreciate everything that you do, uh, with your, uh, Thurbird team first. Um, I, I've listened to the show since I became a steward and, um, and really, um, you know, I, I make sure that my members listen to you and, and kind of see what's going on in, in the larger, uh, in the larger world. So I'm happy to be here. Happy to talk with you a little bit about um, what we're doing here in Oklahoma at Local 886 um, and, and talk about our families. You know, we're, we're all impacted by this, uh, whether we're um, working with the Teamsters, working um, for UPS, working for another um, company, or if we're not working at all. Yeah. Uh, these, are, these are crazy freaking times that we're living in. And, um, and I'm, I'm glad to, to be on here with you and kind of parse some of that out. So thanks for inviting me, Jeremy. I appreciate it. Thank, thank you for joining me. Um, you know, and, and if this was maybe about two months ago, I, I might've started off with, how are you doing? But to be honest, I kind of have a feeling that that might be out the window with pretty much however <laughs> we greet anybody because it is, it is a different time and it is a different era, but how are you adjusting right now to, with everything going on? You know, I, I I'm not going to lie. I don't know a lot about what's going on outside of California, but I am curious what 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 adjustments are being made, you know, not only by you personally, but, you know, by Oklahomans in general. Yeah. Well, o- Oklahoma is one of the very few states that's not under a shelter in place order right now. Uh, okay. um, our yeah, our governor, um, Governor Stitt, is uh, not been a friend of the working class and. Um, you know, Oklahoma is big on oil and gas. We all know that, but one of our largest industries is the private prison industry, and so we're we're dealing with um, the inability, really, to to well. There is a lack of will to shut down. Um, uh, everybody's looking at the economy. They're they're looking at that line on the graph, and um, and they want to see it go up, but. Um, if we if we don't take concrete steps now, we're going to have a problem. So Oklahoma as a whole, not under a shelter in place order. We do have um, kind of a modified uh, order. It's called safer in place. So the um, counties that have had a confirmed case of COVID nineteen, they want folks who are elderly and immunocompromised to stay home. Um, that's that's not enough, and we know that it's not enough. The scientists tell us that it's not enough. Um, the CDC, um, we, we know that that's not enough, but that's what we're doing. Um, in Norman, where I am, uh, 
home of the University of Oklahoma, just south of Oklahoma City. Uh, we, we are under a shelter-in-place order. Our mayor, Bria Clark, has been um, fantastic. She's been keeping an eye on the news, and she's on the front line of this. So, um, so most businesses are closed in our city. Essential businesses remain open, um, but your your nail salons and um, you know service businesses they're closed right now, which which is for the best. You know, we've, we've got to do what we can to keep folks safe, and that is the, the smartest decision. So that came in place, and then shortly thereafter, our governor kind of followed suit. But um, but I, I really do have to give it up for the Norman City Council and for our mayor uh, for, for taking the appropriate steps to keep our community safe. For us, it was... Um... It started out with the counties. I don't. I don't think the mayors had anything to do with our our shelter in place. It just became straight up the counties mm-hmm. that were hit hardest in the Bay Area, and then a, a few days after that, uh, Governor Newsom hit hit the hey, we should all probably be staying in place. And, and every day or two, they just kind of release a little bit more that it's like, all right, no, this is this is how it's going to be. You guys got to stay in place. All right, no. Days later, now it's like. No, you guys got to stop leaving. Quit leaving. You know, it, it, every couple of days, there's just you can sense that it, sense that urgency tick up just a few more notches. And mm. you know, I, I I am curious what what is the you know from the community what's the vibe like? I mean, obviously you can't go out and and mingle with everybody and see how they're doing, but there are days on my route where I feel like okay, it looks like everyone might be paying attention today. And then there's days where I feel like it looks like spring break all over the place and everyone's hanging out, walking there. We're allowed to walk. We're allowed to ride our bikes. We're allowed to do that. And it feels like there was, there's just some days where it's like, Jesus Christ, you, what are you guys doing? You know, they're, they're, they're almost like there's too much, like there should be just my opinion. And it, I don't ever expect it to happen, but like, almost like, Hey, you guys that live on this street, maybe you guys can go for a walk. Cause it just seems like when everyone's out walking, everyone is out walking it almost yeah you know so how is the community responding to 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 your guys' situation over there one of the things that the city council kind of put into place along with our our stay-at-home order um as far as grocery stores and stuff being open um they've got it where they would like like us to go every other day right so if you're if your house number um ends in an odd go shop on odd days so um, oh, so, so they do I have that, that in that, place. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay, yeah. That, do you guys uh, have that? <laughs> no, no, no. That's And it's funny because, like I said, I just said that. I, I felt like, you know, they should say, hey, this street, you guys can take care of business. But, again, it really is just a free-for-all. So uh, uh, that's yeah. interesting. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I, I think it's kind of an innovative approach. I mean, having – we we have issues uh, with it being god-awful hot here and, and drought. So we have watering on odd-even days in the hottest days of the summer. And it really makes sense if folks are going to be leaving the house right now, if we can do that odd, even by house number, I think that, that that's the right call. Um, it still feels like there are entirely too many people going out and about. Um, there, there's been, like you said, it, it, it comes in waves, right? So we have so many people staying home and then, so many people going out. Um, I, I I can see how Governor Newsom is, is ratcheting things up over there. We don't have that same sort of leadership response from our our state government. 
Um, we're, we're getting it from our city government, but then as, as the community as a whole, um, I think folks get, they get used to this sort of thing. And, um, and that's what worries me most is people will try to return to, to some sense of normalcy. They'll wash their hands a little bit more maybe. Um, but, but there's too much engagement in everyday activities. Um, the, the kind that's going to transmit this thing. Um, we, we have some serious numbers, not, not here in Oklahoma, definitely nothing compared to New York or, or even, even the Bay area. But, you know, since, since the first case, um, happened in the U S, um, I mean, that was 72 days ago. Um, since then we've had 309,000 positive cases of this coronavirus thing. Um, that's, that's too many. Yes, and eight eighty four hundred deaths. Those are those are confirmed numbers. You know, uh, I, I'm sure that you guys have the same situation or a similar situation that we do here in Oklahoma, where testing is just not widely available. Um, I'm I'm immunocompromised. I have Crohn's disease, and um, and you know this is something where I can't get sick or I might not get better. Uh, that's that's some scary shit. Um, I don't know if we can say shit on your podcast, but I'm right. saying it. You can say whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> <laughs> My man. No. Um, you know, I, I did see you mention that on social media that you were compromised. And it really, you know, I don't really like to ask questions like that online. And, you know, I, I did want to ask you about that, though. So can, can you explain what Crohn's disease is, you know? Yeah, yeah. So Crohn's disease, is, it's an autoimmune disease. Um that, that attacks my digestive system. So basically my immune system has decided that the interior lining of my digestive tract should not be there. And so it's, it's an overactive immune system. Um, my white blood cells go to attack, um, my digestive system for me, it's, it's in my large and small intestine. Um, for some folks, it can be a lot more severe. It can happen really anywhere from, your mouth down to the anus. So it can happen anywhere along the digestive tract. Most folks are large and small intestine. Um, I noticed that there were issues when I started passing a lot of blood. Um, and that's when I noticed things were serious. So I got into the doctor. There's a lot of cancer in my family, especially colon cancer. So, um, so I went to the doctor and, and they diagnosed me with this, uh, Crohn's disease. It's, um, you know, abdominal pain, anemia, weight loss, chronic fatigue. Um, it sucks. It's, it's, it's incurable. Uh, I manage it kind of with a cocktail of drugs, steroids, immunosuppressants. Sometimes people will use uh, chemotherapy, um, basically just to knock down the immune response. So the body is not so heavily hit. Um, because you're, you're sick all the time, this underlying sickness. Uh, you're just exhausted. It's like it's like when you have the flu, where your body aches all the time, and you just um, it's hard staying motivated. That's really what my daily life is like. Um, I manage it just fine. Um, you know, we we have a, a whole mess of kids, and and you know that UPS is not an easy job. It's a very physical job, um, but I manage it just fine. 
um, going out to work in this sort of thing is, is a whole different can of worms though. I mean, I, I give myself an injection every two weeks of very expensive drugs that destroy my immune response. Mm. So I, I'm more susceptible to getting this and, and, um, and it's going to be a lot harder for me to get out of it if I do get sick. That, that, that makes my stomach drop just hearing that, 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 no, that that's a legitimate, that kind of concern. I cannot imagine, you know what I'm saying? I, I'm over here with high blood pressure, sleep apnea. And I don't think that those will, I, I've kind of caught wind of the high blood pressure thing kind of being an issue with people, but, um, with, with, uh, people who've contracted the disease, but you know, it, it to, to, to have something like that, I can't imagine because like you said, as soon as you, what the part that got me was when you said it, it drops your immune system. How, how'd you pronounce that's that? That's right. And, like, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's yeah, our, my... that's our shield right there. You know what I'm saying? So for you to have something that that drops your shield, oh, brother, I, 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 I'm, I'm not religious, but I pray for you, bro. I pray for you. I, I appreciate it. I, I'm not religious either, but you know, being here in the heart of Oklahoma and uh, being a recovering Catholic, I can definitely appreciate that. You know, it's, um, yeah, I, I, I don't have that shield. I don't have that, um, that sort of thing. So I have to take extra precautions. Um, you know, washing my hands more frequently, gloves and masks. When when this thing first started, I was one of very few people who were who were doing that. And now, as of yesterday, the CDC is recommending that people wear a mask when yeah. they go out in public. Not just so um, they can prevent themselves from getting sick, but also to keep other people from getting sick. If you cough inside a mask, you're not coughing out into the air. And we know that this thing... Um, Johns Hopkins says that this thing can last in the air for three hours. That's, that's scary. Yes. That's scary. I mean, this is, this is just, um, kind of invisible death. So, um, making sure that we're, we're socially isolating and all that. Um, I, I don't have an immune response, so I, I've got to take more precautions and I'm really grateful to be working right now in a labor union um, that can help provide some more, um, some more of a response, some more of a, of a backbone. Uh, this thing is going to going to be scary for all of us. And for folks who don't have the benefits of, of being in a union and having this sort of, um, you know, the grievance process and the negotiations and the contracts and that sort of thing, those things help not only help us make more money, but they also help keep us safe. And, and that's really what people need to be looking at right now is having a collective bargaining agreement means that we can talk about safety issues at work and that there's, there's some sort of recourse because out in the larger capitalist world, um, it's, it's really kind of bottom dollar, you know, it's a race to the bottom. So we're, we're very lucky where we are, you and I, um, but but that doesn't mean that we can we can remain lax on this. It's it's something as union steward I know that you look at and I look at. This is something that we have to remain vigilant in. It's not just about money, um, although that's super important right now. We've got some 32% of people unable to work, and those numbers look to be going up. Mm-hmm. That's, that's freaking incredible. Um, that's Great Depression-level stuff. But 
um, but beyond the economy, um, beyond the salt, we have to take a look at the human toll of this. Uh, with 84,000 people or 8,400 people dead and that number just looking to rise exponentially, um, we, we really have to, we have to be careful and, um, being able to hold the company accountable and say, Hey, we need hand sanitizer. Hey, these enhanced, uh, cleaning provisions that you're announcing on your website, I need to see them actually happening. I need to make sure my package car is clean. I need to make sure that the area where my preloader works, where the unloaders are, all of that stuff is getting clean. It's being wiped down, uh, that people who are sick, they, they don't come to work, but they're not left behind because of something beyond their control. Now, um, let, let me let me ask you a question real quick. So, I, I happened to be off last week, and that that seemed to be our hardest that for for the Oakley building. That last week, not 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 this. Uh, let's see, we for those of us who work at the company, week ending March twenty eighth. Uh, so for that week, I was off. That's a that's a very popular spring vacation week. So that week was already closed out pretty early. And that was the week, like, damn near everybody was going out with 200, 220 stops, even on my route. Mm-hmm. And so I thought I was going to be walking into a shit show on this past Monday. Uh, it seemed to really kind of get it together. There, As much com- miscommunication there is between the management and, and between, you know, the employees, we, we, we pulled it together, and I, I, I know it's not like this everywhere, but I am happy with – with how it was turned around the, those inside cleanings. Um, I, I'm really close with the car washer that we got. I know he, he's one of those guys that's by the book and takes pride in his job. Like many of us do, but he takes it to a level to where it's just like, you know, when you walk out of there with, when you drive out of there with your clean truck by him, you're seeing your reflection in the side. You're like, damn, this thing shines yeah. like it's never shined before. So I, I trust that he's doing a good job on the inside of my truck, at least where, where, where he's supposed to be cleaning, I guess they call it a B wash that, that, but, but it was a struggle. It was, there's, we, we still had an issue with doing inside deliveries. Uh, we were being told by the union we're not to do those. And the company was claiming, we don't know nothing about that. Uh, we were, as everyone else, we had a hard time kind of getting those safety supplies and, and, that, that kind of created a lot of frustration with the, the part-timers and the drivers. It's like, where's our stuff? And, you know, when you, when you think about it, you understand there's a shortage right now. Everything's on back order, but it finally started to trickle in. So it took a while. One of the things I've always said is you might have rights just because you have rights to something, to safety, to, to your seniority, to your contract sometimes you still got to fight for those rights that you already have. It's not even about fighting for rights that you don't have yet. Sometimes you still got to fight for those rights that you do have because you will be given the, the runaround. We're still dealing with some stuff. Uh, actually, one of the issues that we just had was we have a COVID-19 case in the apartment complex right behind our building. So the word on that traveled fast. We, we informed the driver, anyone who delivers there, Hey, this, and it's a really large apartment complex. So that, that's kind of, I feel for them just on that alone, the, the people who live there. But it's a large complex, so we started, we stopped delivering there. Uh, you know, high-risk area, drivers, that's, it's, it's going to cause, it's a risk. And we started putting all their stuff on hold. And then 
the the our our uh, clerk relief was like, hey man, you know, all these people from this apartment are coming to the building now. We're like, oh shit, we didn't even think about that, you know. So Bye. we we talked to the union. We again communication. Uh, it, it's not easy at this point with the company, with the union, with anybody, because you know we are all worrying about a million different things on each of our individual plates. But you got to keep the communication going, folks. If if you don't see something going right, something safe is is missing from your from your workplace. Who are you communicating that to? And as long as we keep that communication going, and and like you said, holding the company accountable, we're seeing that progress. So with our customer counter clerk, our, the clerk relief says, "Hey man, you know this is, you know I'm really not tripping off." He, he he made it clear. He's like, you know, I'm not really tripping off the the coronavirus at all, but. This is hitting a little too close for home, having all these people that might be infected come here. Just might be. So right. man, we brought it to management's attention, and they moved fast. Again, the the, the union lights a little there, – there's a little torch lighting under the ass, but they moved fast. They put a plastic barrier in for a clerk counter. They put the tape down, which is really state-required right now, I think, anyway, a lot of these precautions. So, again, our right to a safe workplace, we still had to fight for that. Not, not a big fight. We didn't have to, like, yell or scream or anything, but we had to bring it to attention. Like, hey, we need to keep these guys safe, and progress was made. So, again, I just can't stress communication to people. So we're, we're on pins and needles with that. You know, uh, the numbers for our county just came out on, on positive cases, and, again, that's only a, a glimpse of what the actual numbers may be. Uh, our Oakley, Oakley, the town – has, I believe, 16 confirmed cases. So, you know, they, they, they say this week, I had a good day today, right? I'm doing good. I'm hanging out. I'm hanging out with the family, getting stuff done. But as soon as I sit down and check on the news, oh, man, dude, when you see the Surgeon General saying, this is going to be a hell of a week right here, it, my, again, my, my heart sank, my stomach sank. It's just like it, it kind of it brought me down. It's scary. And, and this is coming from a healthy person who – is on the outskirts of the of the most contaminated part of the county, but it spreads. So, I, yeah, I, it's it's scary, man. And and I think one of the great things you we were talking about yesterday, you know, when we talked for a few minutes, was it, it almost seems like people are afraid to admit they're afraid, or I mean, or are afraid to admit that this is our reality right now. I mean, people are talking about it, but you know, it's just kind of for, for us over here, it's, it's still, there's still slowly, but surely, you know, the people that were kind of doubting it are kind of coming through. And every day you see maybe one or two more people wearing masks. Um, Hopefully everyone's wearing their masks tomorrow, but you know, it's scary and it's okay to be scared. Everybody It, it is, but we're going to get through this. Zach, if, if you know, I, I I'll, I'll definitely be thinking about you a lot, man. You know, I, I look forward to uh to just seeing your updates and on how you're dealing with this. And, and again, just you know, man, just continue doing what you're doing. Like you said, you've been doing it since since it first you know you first caught wind of it. So rather just keep doing what you keep doing and and, and keep it safe. Well, I, I appreciate that. You know, it's it's for me speaking up as an immunocompromised person. Um, as a union member, as, as a steward, I think it, uh, I feel like I've, I've got a little bit more responsibility. Uh, you know, maybe it's a personal responsibility of, of just speaking out and, and telling people what it's like. Because for most people in our 
age cohort. Um, this this is going to suck, um, and they're going to know someone who's going to get sick, but they themselves may not get sick. You know, yeah. their their immune system, it, it, it may be a cold for them, but it's important to realize that, um, yeah, this thing, it, it hits old people. It attacks old folks' homes, um, retirement communities, but it's also affecting people your age. It's affecting people who are otherwise healthy. Um, I, I work the same job as you guys. Um, you know, I've got kids and a wife and, and hopes and dreams for the future. But, you know, if you don't wash your fucking hands, I could get sick and drown in my own blood. You know, it's serious. It's, it's a serious thing. And, um, and it's easy to make jokes about, I think that we all have um, some gallows humor about it. And, and that's important. I, I certainly, um, you know, make jokes. But at the end of the day, this is affecting our most marginalized communities. People who are having a hard enough time as it is already. People who are on the streets homeless. Um, the poor who can't afford to not go to work. Um, it's affecting the elderly, people who are already sick, immunocompromised. Um, this is hitting our hardest hit community, people who are already struggling under this economic system who, you know, studies show don't have $400 in the bank for an emergency. Um, all of a sudden, they're out of work or they're sick or they're worried about um, you know, a family member being sick or out of work. It's just really unconscionable that we have a, a system that's not set up to support people. Um, so I, I've been really impressed with the kind of uh, social supports I've seen in our community on a horizontal level um, where people are just taking care of each other. Uh, I, I, I'm sure that, that it's the same way out where you are. We've got people just Sewing cloth masks like crazy, um, you know, it's 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 really nice. While I was um, doing my route yesterday, um, I drove through a, a small community, and on the fence, people had chalked, you know, thank you nurses, thank you doctors, thank you delivery guys. Um, you know, people are, are coming together over this, and we really can come together over this. Um, there are a lot of good things that, that can, can come out of this time of crisis and we just really kind of have to seize on them and, um, and make sure that, that what we're doing is towards the collective liberation of everybody. Um, we have, uh, working for the company, we've got great insurance, um, we have really good benefits and what's been negotiated so far with paid days off. If, if you or a family member um, is affected by this, or if you, um, Oh, what the hell is the third condition? I'm going to forget now while I'm talking about it. Oh, or that you are, you're ordered to self quarantine by a doctor. That's, that's fantastic. But there are so many places that don't have that. Yes. There's so many people working right now that don't have that sort of thing. There are a lot of people, people working at Walmart right now, making, you know, um, 
not the kind of money that you and I make, um, that don't have the sort of benefits that you and I do, they deserve that too. Especially because they're out there putting their asses on the line to take care of everybody else. You know, we we went from these are these are low skilled jobs, these are starter jobs, this is just supposed to be a stepping stone to, hey, these are essential workers. <laughs> these are the people that we need to go to work, you know? That turned around real freaking fast. Hey, I don't think these guys deserve $15 an hour. You know, what do they do? Well, right now, they're keeping everyone's ass fed. You know, our, our farm workers are going out there and um, picking the fruits and vegetables. Um, our ranchers are making sure that we're, we're getting the meat um, that, that our country loves. Um, people are going to work. And, um, and they're working hard and they always have worked hard, but now they're facing a lot more risk. And so we owe it to them to give them the, the same sort of supports that you and I enjoy. And that, and that a lot of people enjoy, even if they're not union members, there are a lot of people out there that have insurance and we've allowed, um, multinational corporations. Uh, have a race to the bottom as far as wages and benefits. Um, it's it's time for that to stop, and there's no better time for that to stop than right now. Everybody deserves insurance. Everybody deserves to have a living wage, and we we need to make it happen. There's going to be a lot of a lot of will to do it right now, but we have to push through to seal the deal. You know, in, in 2019, we had a lot of strikes across America. It was a great sign. I, I, I loved what I was seeing. And this year, obviously, with, with what's going on, you know, seeing seeing Amazon, I mean, it's seeing what Amazon is, is trying to do right now, I, I hope they can accomplish it. You know, even just for, Jesus Christ, like I said, just to have a right to work in a safe work environment, you know, not even, they're not even, it's not even about them trying to unionize right now, which I, God, I hope they can. I hope they can take advantage of this. And I hope, you know, someone, uh, Teamsters or someone can take advantage of this and, and organize those guys to give those guys again, a safe place to work. But I almost feel like if, if we, you know, we got the gig economy workers, uh, you know, doing, uh, their strikes and whatnot. And if we can't get these guys organized, after this, and, and I know that's not the priority right now. Obviously, the priority is to take care of those who, who need to take care of, who need the safety supplies, who need, who need you know, the PPEs and whatnot. But when all this is said and done, if we can't build off this momentum of, of people wanting those rights that unions like the Teamsters offer, uh, uh, negotiate for us, then, like, I just don't see it happening. But I, I like that they're fighting. Keep fighting. If you if, if you know if you know someone at Amazon, encourage them to, to, to keep fighting for what's right. You know th- those guys have been getting worked to the bone for the longest time, and now we're in a situation where a whole warehouse can become affected in a day because profit over safety. If you're if you're listening to this and you drive at Amazon or you work in an Amazon warehouse. Check out Amazonians United. Yes. Look those guys up. You, you know, they're they're the folks who are making it happen. They're not affiliated with, with any of our, our unions, none of the major unions. They're not affiliated with the Teamsters. I would love to see them be Teamsters. I'm a yes. second generation Teamster. 
but at, at the end of the day, um, working class organizations, no matter who they're affiliated with, they're, they're what we need. They're what we need to, to make sure that, uh, that the working class is taken care of, that all, all of us um, who, are, who are forced to sell our labor for a living, that, that we're taken care of. Um, you're, you're, I, I, I am a strategic optimist, right? So I, I agree with you that this really is a prime time to organize. Um, once we make sure that, that everyone is safe. Yes. Um, but, but organization is safety too. And, and that's something that we have to keep in mind that the labor movement, um, as an amateur historian, the labor movement has organized in times that were just as scary as this, if not more. We, we don't have bosses shooting at us. Yeah. That mm-hmm. happened. You yeah. know, the, 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 the military shooting at us. And Wells Fargo, absolutely. Yep. You know, governors are not calling out the military on us. I don't have to worry about that when I go to work. I don't have to worry about you know, thugs at the door who are going to knock me in the head because I'm a union member and I am a vocal union member. Um, I don't have to worry about that. Um, you know, the last time that we had a big pandemic like this was 1918. The very next year, the Bolsheviks took Russia in, in a huge working class revolution. You know, this is, this is possible. Um, we have to be really clear-eyed about what's happening with us right now as a society and we need to be clear-headed about where we're going and where we want to go we can we can shape that um and and it's going to require a lot of conversations and there are a lot of opportunities for people to talk right now oh yeah <laughs> the, the, the last time that we had a pandemic we didn't have the internet uh, we didn't have cell phones. You know, it is so much easier for people to come together and have conversations about what's important. What do we place first? What what needs do we have? What wants do we have? What are our dreams? What are our desires? Um, we don't have to, to stop with a higher wage or better insurance or safer workplaces. What what do our dreams of utopia, what does that look like? What steps could one take to get there? Um, and, and that's, that's something that's really hard to think about right now when huh. everything's scary. If, if you don't know if you're going to get sick, if you're going to get your kids sick, um, you know, I, I don't want to get my mom sick. Um, but at the end of the day, um, we can um, we, we can figure out what that's going to look like and we can move towards that direction. Hi, right, Jeremy. Uh, hold on for just one second. I'm gonna put in one, two, three. I'm going to put in my credit card information and order some food. <laughs> Not a problem. My wife is right here like feed these children, please. <laughs> Why does it say seventy five dollars? Because you ordered seventy five dollars worth no, of food. That's, driver tip. You tipped him thirteen dollars. 
Yeah, he's out working in a freaking pandemic. Thirteen bucks is all right. Nobody tipped me thirteen dollars. Well, they should have tipped you thirteen dollars. Tipping him thirteen dollars. It's it's my card. Tip the damn man thirteen dollars. You know, I was considering editing this part out, but I might keep it in now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, um, yeah. I mean, that, that's just that's that's the the way that it is. You know, like I. Edit this out or not, but nah. you know we a, we really have. No, seriously, keep it in. I'm totally fine with keeping it in. <laughs> like right. at the end, of, at, at, the, at the end of the day, like we we have people who are out um, busting their asses. If they're delivering groceries or delivering pizza, like they they're they're working freaking hard, and they deserve more than minimum wage or the you know bare subsistence. People need a living wage, and um, and if we uh, have the ability to to help with that. I think that tipping is a bullshit system. That the that the company that they work for that they need to pay a living wage from the get go. But I know that they're not. And if I if I can help somebody else out, you don't you don't know what that thirteen dollars is going to mean to the pizza guy. You know, it it may mean his ability to to buy some Lysol to clean his steering wheel. Um, it's we we really have to take care of each other. Okay. We've got to fucking do it. I mean, I've I've had people, you know, uh, I had someone on just Friday said, "Hey, I had a delivery, Costco delivery, dropped the." She's like, opens the door, I right, go ahead, set it right there, no problem. It's you know, I'm used to it. Set it right on the porch. I take off. She's like, "Do you need any wipes?" I said, "No, I'm good. I appreciate it though. Thank you." She's like, "No, no, no. Here." She and she just reaches in her house, grabs a whole pack of wipes, and just tosses them to me. And and that is gold right now. I mean, I, I knowing uh, how how valuable that is. Like I was even more appreciative that she she's like, oh, that that's what that whole box is right there. That you just delivered me a bunch of more wipes. So here, have one. Uh, thank you, thank you. So, like you said, just everyone looking out for each other. Um, I even had a customer, uh, going back to the appreciation. I I, I had a delivery for her. I walk up to the porch. I go to ring the doorbell and I kind of forgot. Usually she's, she's okay with not ringing the doorbell, but there was a, a chalkboard there, a decorative chalkboard. And it said, Jeremy, thank you for your deliveries and for everything you do. And it caught me so off guard. It, it was a great feeling. Yeah. It was at a time where I was just kind of, you know, you know, it's early part of my day and I'm still just kind of, you know, bummed out trying to shake the funk. And, and that really, I didn't even realize she knew my name and, or remembered my name at least. And, and to see my name up yeah. there, and, you know, that appreciation, and just having everybody, I mean, every everybody in that com, um, that gated community walking, you know, all the people walking, thank you, thank you for delivering to, to us, thank you for doing. And it was it's just really weird. It was it was appreciative. I, I it was genuine, but it, it it's the, the 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 word the word is heartwarming. Yes, and as as um you know, lifetime channel as that sounds like <laughs> that that's. God, it feels good. And, you know, that, that's really the way that, that it should be all the time. I try to show that appreciation to, to any of the service workers that I deal with. My my driveway right now, down by the road where people can see it, it says, thank you, nurses. I, I sit down and I chalk that that's out. That's a good one. And, um, you know, we I, it, it is super important, especially right now. While, like you said, everyone's scared. Everyone's stressed out. That we um, that we show our appreciation to to people who are working, but even when we're not in the middle of a pandemic, um, being able to to look at our fellow workers and give them the same dignity and respect that we we appreciate um, that we deserve, 
it's it's just so important and that that's really how we um to start to build a better world in the show of the old i mean that's really how we do it it's just through genuine real interaction that we we take out the you know i need this i need this yeah we all have needs we all have wants we all have desires um, and remembering that the person on the other side of that transaction, whether they are delivering you a package or ringing your groceries or delivering your food, th- those interactions are valuable because the people in them are valuable. Yes. I, I am a firm believer of, of, you know, the type of customer service, you know, the, the attitude you bring in the workplace mm-hmm. uh, on either end, whether you're the customer or the, the service provider or or whatnot. And that's, I, I, I like that interaction. Now I, I know that there's a younger generation out there that almost prefers to not have interaction, at least from my experience, I get it. I hope this kind of changes things. I, I really, there's a part of me that kind of, that changes are obviously going to happen from this at, at every level. Yeah. Industries are going to be destroyed. Families might are, are obviously, unfortunately, there are just going to be families that don't make it through this. And, absolutely, but, but when all the dust settles, I believe, I, I'm a firm believer that this will all be for the better. You have to believe like that. You can't think that it's going to be for the worse. And I hope that it kind of en- encourages those who maybe, and it's weird to say because we are being forced to be introverted right now. But once everyone is like, I know my, my oldest daughter, she is itching to get out. She, 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 she understands what's going on, but just like how I, I was when the SARS came out or, or, or the you know all the other viruses that I didn't take seriously I see that in her she's not really taking it seriously she misses her friends she wanted sure. to go to the dance but once we're all released quote end quote from from this shelter in place I, I hope that there's just a new appreciation for really you know the things that we took for granted just the the mere social interaction of people that we saw every day you know the whether you know just whether we, we like them or not, you know, I mean, I, shit, I, 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 that's, that's one of the things I miss. And, and I love being inside. I, I, I'm, I'm adjusting to this. Well, my family is the ones that likes to go out. They like to travel. They like to do things and my, they're all itching to get out. But once, once again, brother, once, you, 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 you and I get out enough. Yes, you and, and, and I, I get it out. <laughs> I come back, I come back home and I say, trust me, you don't want to go out there right now. Uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it'll come, it'll come guys. It'll come. But right now, trust me, you're not missing nothing. And you know, yeah. it, I just, I just hope for the better society becomes, this is going to sound really, uh, like how would you say, uh, what was, what was the channel Hallmark? What was the channel? You oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, lifetime. It's going to sound very lifetime. I, I, I hope we become a better society from this. Uh, you know, but it's 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 we still got a long road ahead i mean i i know earlier i said and how the surgeon general said this week coming up is probably going to be the worst you know um but even with that you know that we still got a long road of of not only dealing with this but then recovery so absolutely you know i i i i I think about everyone out there working that you know is working just to even survive you know um whether you're getting hazard pay or not, I know that's a big issue with the company right now. My personal opinion on it is, you know, and I'm fine, but we need to take care of the part-timers. We need to take care of, of, oh my God. Uh, of the, 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 the new drivers. Um, 
you know, if I, I, but until I don't, I just don't see that happening. Unfortunately, I'm glad the company came with the two weeks off. I was kind of hoping, you know, and again, like you said, like we agree, there are people out there that don't get that, that are getting laid off right now. But I was kind of hoping that the part-timers, I don't know why I have a, a special place in my heart for the part-timers. Those are, those are the ones that are really, really make this shit go. We're the face, the drivers are the face of the, of the company, but Jesus Christ, those part-timers, they're, they're, they're the blood. They're, they're, I don't know, I don't know how, how to describe it, but they're the ones who make it go around. I keep telling myself, if there's a day where something happens and I show up and there's no part-timers there, I ain't working. You know, whether it's an, whether it's an outbreak, whether God forbid it's a wildcat, whether, you know, it's just whatever it is, if they, if they don't show up to work and work for whatever reason, I don't get to work. So please take care of them because they take care of me. And I, I, oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, I, um, I I'm an Article Twenty Two Ford driver, okay. so I'm splitting my time at work between sorting and unloading packages in, in our building in Oklahoma City, and and then delivering all, all over the metro. And um, it has been really good for me since I came back from peak season. Being back in the hub, I don't like working in the hub. I mean, just flat out, I would much rather be driving and, and interacting with customers. Um, but what has been really good for me is being back in the building um, with people that I worked with when I was a part-timer, um, our, our 22 threes, and, um, and, and talking with those guys saying what's going on in the building because it's easy when you're you're in your own little world out in a package car to for, forget about the people at the hub people who are you know making $14 an hour and they're guaranteed three and a half hours a day like that's that's not enough 20 hours 25 hours whatever a week that's not enough and the money is not enough um, because that job is hard yeah if you work if you work preloads um, eight hours, nine hours. I, I did it the other day. I, I double shifted on preload and I did every bit of 30,000 steps. That is a lot. I don't do that while I'm delivering. I don't, I don't, I don't. And I handle fewer packages when I'm delivering. If I have 300 pieces on my, on my uh, package car and that sucks, but, um, you're, if you're loading package cars and you've got four cars, you've got that 300 times four plus, um, a lot of times you're, you're helping your neighbor out on the dock. You're moving E-regs. If I'm delivering what's on my car, you know, maybe I have five, six big E-regs, you know, a mattress here, there, but you're dealing with every single one when you're in the building Mm -hmm. that wears on you, that wears on you. So, um, yeah, I, I think I, I believe that every one of our drivers deserves hazard pay. That every one of our people inside that they deserve hazard pay right now. I don't know what that looks like. I don't. I don't know what's fair. But I do know that the company is making more money right now um, with more things being ordered online. So many people are stuck inside their houses right now, and, and essential stuff is moving, and non-essential stuff is moving too. I mean, the the, the little conveniences that make everyday life easier for people. Um, my my daughter, her birthday's in two days, and we ordered some stuff. It it got here yesterday, but um, we we need to make sure that people who are risking 
their their lives honestly to go to work that that, that they're supported. I know that um, there's a, a a young guy in my building, Nick. Um, he started late last year in the fall. Uh, he he had to take two weeks off because he didn't feel well and he needed to self quarantine. Mm-hmm. Um, making $14 an hour. He had a hard time making his rent as it is. And when he's sick, he hasn't been there long enough to get insurance. Um, and there are not enough tests to go around. Even if it wasn't COVID, if he needed to take that time off, he may not be able to pay his rent. Um, the, the stakes are so much higher right now. Mm-hmm. The guy signed up to load package cars. He didn't sign up to risk his life going to work. Yeah. He, si- he signed up to be a preloader, not to be a front line in the middle of a pandemic worker. You know, so that that sort of job is a is a much different job than it was a, a few months ago. It, it is because you have so many more psychological strains and, and we, we, we know that the mental is just as important as the physical out there. If you go in there with a crappy mindset, uh, your, your, your day's going to suck. Mm. Um, but beyond the crappy mindset, you're going in there. Me, I'm going in there not knowing if the package that I touch is going to make me sick. If I am, Loading a package into a car, did the driver who picked it up, you know, was he sanitizing his hands? Were were the unloaders, the people upstairs in secondary, when it came down the um, the chute, if it came down the belt, did the belt have COVID nineteen on it? I mean, these are all things that that I I think about, and um, and yeah, I'm I make a, a higher wage than the guy standing right next to me, um, which sucks. For one, but two, you know, the guy standing right next to me and me, neither one of us signed up to uh, to to put our lives at risk, and not just us, our families. I worry every day that I go to work that I might bring something home that's going to get a, a family member of mine sick. Mm-hmm. My wife and I were foster parents. We have eight kids at the house. I've got them from twenty down to the age of two, and. Um, and that's a whole lot of kids. And I don't want to get any of them sick. I don't want to get my wife sick. She's doing some amazing work right now, um, making sure that school kids who who are food insecure as it is here in Oklahoma, that they're getting enough to eat through this. Um, that kids are, are um, you know, getting shoes and getting, getting support. So I don't want her to get sick. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't want to, these are just all the little things that, um, that, that people are immunocompromised. Think about their people, people who are poor, working class. Like these are things that we all have to think about. A lot of people don't have the, the, um, the opportunity to, to shelter in place, to self quarantine right now. I would love if I could be home with my family. If we had the social safety net where I could take care of my family, I don't have to worry about the bank coming for my house. I don't have to worry about, you know, if I get sick, am, am I going to have insurance? The fact that insurance is, is t- 
tied to employment um, should be seen as a farce, especially right now with millions upon millions of people who can't go to work. Not because of not because of their they're lazy. They can't pull themselves up by their bootstraps. We should see right now that all of that stuff is bullshit. It was bullshit before, and it's bullshit now. You cannot tie um, people's health to employment like that. It doesn't work. It doesn't work for people. It works fine for businesses. It works fine for corporations. They make their money on it, but. Uh, but it doesn't work for people. And if this thing does anything, it really should put the focus back on people on the way that we treat the pizza guy or um, the people at the grocery store, the conversations that we have with one another. Um, I know that you worry about your kids becoming atomized through this and, and not being able to, um, Thank you. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to get the pizza. No, buddy. Hey, you can't go out with me because we can't get people sick, remember? We don't want to bring sick home. Aww. Yeah, he sucks. He's five, and he's my buddy, and he wants to hang out. Yeah, come here. Give me a hug. Hey, I love you. I'll be right back, okay? Be good boy for mom. I'll be right back, okay? I love you. Oh, did you just dab on me? What's wrong with you? Thank you. A five-year-old just dabbed on me. Uh, um, you know, I I know that you worry about your kids become Adam on. Um, about oh shit, I think you're in my car now. Audio back over there. Headphones. I, I worry about my kids too, about um, them not having the the kinds of healthy social interaction that, yes. that you know we're we're all kind of privy to. But at the same time, at the same time, there there's some glimmers of hope. This is something that people worried about when the written word was invented. You know, mm-hmm. like. Uh, people's memories are going to go to shit and everyone's going to stay home and all they're going to do is read fucking books all day. Like it was the same thing. And, and we adapted. And then when the internet came out, you know, I, (laughs) yeah, my kids have problems having their faces glued to the computer. No doubt about it. You know, the, the little kids, they, they want to, where's my iPad. But, um, a lot of the things that people are, are doing on the computer, uh, social media, yeah, it can it can suck. But they're communicating. They're talking with other people. They're they're wanting to have those interactions. And for some people, it's easier for them to have those interactions online than it is face to face. I've learned more about my friends um, because I see them on social media. I, I learned what's inside their head, the kinds of things that they wouldn't say in public. And and I do the same thing. I, I'm a loud mouth and I will tell you exactly what I'm thinking. But, um, but there's something, there, there's something personal about putting things into the written word and for other people to receive that. I, that's why I started writing. I think that there is a, 
the, the written word is an act of communion between the reader and the writer. The writer puts it on the paper, puts it onto the page, and says, this is my interpretation of what's going on. This is how I feel. Mm-hmm. And the reader, they're taking that, and they're going to have their own interpretation and their own spin on that. Uh, it's just like our collective bargaining agreement. I was thinking the I same exact that, thing. Thinking the same oh, exact thing. <laughs> I mean, I, I, know, I could look at a piece of language in the contract with, with, with my fellow union brothers and sisters, and we can look at a paragraph and we'll, we'll all read it, take it three different ways. And, you know, we'll pick each other's brains on what we think. And then you go to management with it, obviously. And, and, oh, they're going to go complete opposite of how you see it. And yeah. So I, it's funny. I was just thinking that as you were saying that I was thinking the same thing. But the, but the beauty, really, of the written word, of, of that contract, of our social contract, the beauty of that is in those gray areas. It's, it's things are not locked down in the black and white, and it's this or it's this. Because we, we know that when things are, um, they're, they're dictated, and you say, you know, uh, you, you can do this, only in these times, we know that, that human nature is not like that. Hmm. That um, you know, when when it comes to interpreting the the contract, for instance, um, and uh, an overtime or double time pay or whatever, during peak season when our guys were doing over sixty hours a week, I can take a look at the contract and say, hey, you work over sixty hours, contract says you get double time. And management can take a look at the contract and say, hey, no, that's only if you're driving over 60 hours. Well, I, I take a look at it. It says, it says the word working. It doesn't say driving. Yeah. So, you know, we, we all, we, like that, um, so sometimes it's, it's nice to have, and it's important to have certain things that are locked down in black and white. We've got a, uh, a bill of rights and we all have a, kind of a baseline understanding of what our, our rights are in the Bill of Rights. Now, how that plays out, that that plays out at the Supreme Court where they say, no, it, it really means this. No, nah, it means that. It's the same thing with our grievances. So we have our Constitution. We've got the contract. And I think it means this, and you think it means this. We go to the panel and panel has to weigh out all the facts. Our business agents, you know, labor managers, these guys, they come together and they, they look at, at what the facts are, but they also look at the people behind it. There's that human element where um, we, we, we have that union, uh, we have that human element at this job because it is a union job. If I worked at if I worked at a local big box store and it says, Hey, you know, you have three days that you don't show up, you're fired. You know, I can go to work and, and say, look, this is not my freaking fault, man. Like I got sick or my kid got sick or, or whatever. We, we've got some gifts and that give lives in the gray areas. Um, there, there's no, there's no one thing that works for everybody. Um, so, uh, let me, let me actually ask you about being a steward. Cause when we first started communicating on social media, you had told me you just became a steward. So what's it been about a year, year and a half now, maybe. Yeah. 
roughly? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, about a, uh, yeah, somewhere between a year and a year and a half. So, so how is that going for you? You know, I'm, I'm not asking the issues you deal with. We all deal with generally the same issues, just different buildings. But have yeah, because you said your what uh, what generation teamster? Didn't you say you your family was teamsters yeah. too? Yeah, yeah. So I'm a second generation teamster. Okay. My dad was at the same local 886 in Oklahoma City. He worked uh, for Cisco um, in the warehouse there in the freezer, and um, you know my my dad's union job put us through school. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it supported my family. I remember when uh, Cisco went on strike as a as a little kid. I went and walked the picket line with my dad. I, I was that's dope. 15, 16, I walked that picket line with my dad. I would drive by and like on my horn and, um, you know, just trying to give those guys any, any sort of support. I didn't understand, um, totally all the, the larger issues, but I didn't know what a, what a union job meant was dignity and respect and the ability to, um, to take care of your family. That that was, that was something that, that a lot of people didn't have. We didn't always have it. Um, but I, I came to understand, um, what the labor movement really means to, to real people. So, um, so yeah, you know, second generation teamster from the same local, my, uh, my, uh, great grandfather, he, uh, helped, uh, settle Oklahoma in the thirties. Um, we, we actually just, uh, sold kind of our, our family homestead when my dad got sick with cancer three years ago. And, um, you know, that land had been in my family forever. Um, uh, my great grandfather was on the, uh, the electric co-op board. Uh, he worked at the Grange out there, you know, so cooperative economics and, um, and, and social groupings like that, you know, real strong working class, uh, organizations have, have always been big into my family, um, understand really what they were, what they meant until I was, until I was older. Um, so now I'm older. Um, now I'm a union steward. Uh, I've been a union steward for about a year and a half now. And, um, it, sometimes it's, it's difficult being a steward Mm. as a 22 four, because I don't really belong to anyone. Um, my, my driver center, uh, they see me sometimes and then I'm in the building and I, I'm doing different jobs in the building. I'm either downstairs working on the box line. Sometimes I go upstairs and work in secondary. Um, I kind of go wherever I can help most wherever they need me. And so I don't really belong to any particular area, which, which can be difficult. Um, but also I think has been somewhat of a, a blessing um, because I can go and talk with people in, in different areas of the building that normally I wouldn't come across. Dude, I was, um, about to, I was just about to say, it's, it's amazing how many things you're, you're, I, I think something I was like, all right, let me, let me say this real quick. And then you say it right there. <laughs> so that, that's what I was thinking. As soon as you told me that, I was like, man, that, that sounds like you're able to really put your, you know, put yourself in front of people and let them know, Hey, you know, if you need, if you don't know them that well, you get to know them, uh, build those relationships. And then, when they have issues or, or they see issues happening, you know, and we, we all know that a lot of times people, they want something done, but they don't want to be like the one acknowledged that a, you know, cause th- there's a lot of 
oh, I don't want people thinking I'm getting in their business or whatnot. But man, we, you know, if you see something unsafe being uh, going on, if you see someone being uh, um, approached by management in a way that probably is is not proper or appropriate or or anything, you know, come to the steward. And the more comfortable that that they feel with you, obviously, you know, I, I don't have no reason. We have a small building. I, I've mentioned that several times. And I, I do have a, a pretty good relationship with a lot of the part-timers. I don't know everyone. Uh, peak season really was a high turnover and a lot of new people faces come in, but it's like that every year, you know, the new faces come in you just make every year, make yourself, make yourself seen. You don't have to sit there and say, Hey everybody, I'm the shop steward, but right. Just go around and Hey, how's it going? Any issues? What's your name? Yada, yada. And, and then people will start to get to know you because then, I mean, and obviously you know this, you've experienced it. You're, you're telling me, but just to share with, with the listeners, that's what works best for me is when people, and it, it is hard to get a good relationship or even just a, 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 a relationship period with a lot of the younger guys and gals in the warehouse. But it, it you know, again, you just make yourself, make yourself available. let ask them questions. How are you doing? Is everything going good? Is there any issues? And even if they don't say something there, sometimes they'll, they'll catch you, you know, Hey, you know, I, I want to talk to you about this. I have this question or I've been seeing this happen or right. whatnot. So, I mean, you're in a good position. I would, I would consider that a plus versus a steward who might, be, who might be in the unload and all they do is unload in trailers all day. And you never see the steward because he's always in a trailer, you know, but. Usually, Absolutely. So, and, 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 you know, I, I was warned when I first became a steward, um, I, I, I came in hard, you know, and, <laughs> um, probably, probably too hard at first, honestly. Um, and, uh, and, you know, one of the other stewards kind of took me aside and said, Hey, you know, if you, um, if you, if you come in everybody all the time like that, they're going to stick you in a trailer and you will never see anyone again. And, um, you know, I learned that it's not only just the relationships that we have with our members, but also the, the, the relationships that we have with management, um, that, you know, they're, they're, they're not always healthy. I, I have one, um, one manager where he and I have, have chewed the beef more on more than one occasion. However, I know at the end of the day that if there is a, a contractual problem that another manager is not taking care of, I can give that guy a call and say, Hey man, this is what's going on. And he'll say, you know, no, nah, it's bullshit. I'll take it. I'll, I'll, I'll take care, care of a uh, guy's pay. You know, I'll, I'll go ahead and get a, 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 you know, correction put in on that. You know, um, there was a, uh, there was one of our preloaders who um, got an intent to term the other day and it was for a bogus reason. So I, you know, I, I talked with him and wrote up the, the grievance and you wouldn't believe it, but I had, you know, two, three managers, um, you know, full-time supervisors who were coming to me and saying that really shouldn't happen to him. This is off the record. Yeah. Uh, that really shouldn't happen to him. And, um, you know, if, if he's going to fight this, then, you know, I'm willing to stand up for him, um, you know, to a certain extent. And, uh, and that, that was really cool to see, you know, where, um, you know, we don't always see eye to eye, but we're, we're all in there really to get this job done. And, um, you know, they, they have things that they want out of us and I get that, um, but we also should feel comfortable in, in saying what we need to, what, what our needs are. And what I see most often with the younger members, you know, you're talking about 
issues communicating with them. You know, it's not always easy to talk. Most of the time, those guys are brought on and they don't really know what their rights are. They don't know what it means to be a union member. Mm-hmm. Um, they're either young and this is one of their first jobs, in which case, God bless them. I, w- I wish this was one of my first jobs. It would have been one of my last jobs. This job is hard, but um, but the retirement and, and all of that, um, really what, what we've negotiated as Teamsters is just amazing. Um, but, it, but, it, it, but the, I'm sorry to cut you, but, but the, that, yeah. the problem is, is, is with the part-timers, which are normally younger folks, uh, let, let's face yeah. it. I mean, I don't, I, it changes throughout the building, but when you walk inside to a warehouse, you usually see about, I would say 25 ish and under almost seemingly being the, the majority, a good chunk. I won't say majority. I'll say a good chunk of that sort. Um, right. and as you mentioned, even when you were 15 and 16 walking, walking the line and you, as you have that pride walking the line, you still really, you're, you're, you're still learning what a union is. And those guys and gals that are coming in at that young age into our building, they're at that same point that you were at when you were 15 and 16 on that. You, you understand, they understand that they're part of a union. You know, they don't really understand kind of what's done. And that that's why I originally started the podcast. Cause I thought I was going to be able to get into their ears and, and be like, look guys, you know, I, I thought I was going to be able to like lead this way. But there's a I, I have no problem admitting when it comes to the podcast and trying to appeal to a younger a younger crowd that there is a disconnect now in a in a personal one on one relationship, man. Like I said, I get along with a lot of a, a lot of those guys and gals in the building, um, but we have to find ways to get that message to them on. They don't understand what a pension is. They don't understand why it's important. Right. I knew what a pension was, but I don't. I knew what a 401k was. I didn't see the importance of right. those until I turned 30 until I started, you know, dating my, my wife and the kids came along and all this. So and, and there's a point to where you kind of got to keep pushing that message with them in, in a, in a oh, soft absolutely. way. You can't be aggressive because then it turns them off, but you got to keep, cause I, I remember what everyone told me when I was coming up, you know, all the old timers that I'd laugh at and be like, Oh, shut up, old man. You know, this, that I, I really had that attitude, even though I was, I, I, I was, pro union minded, you know, I'm still learn. I was still learning it. And I look back and I said, man, and that's why I look back and I think it's some of the things that those guys told me and how I kind of gave them attitude because I was young and fucking, I know everything. And so that, that allows me when I try to do that to the younger guys and gals here, I don't take it personal because I know that they think they know everything or it doesn't matter. They don't care about, Definitely. they don't, they don't need a doctor. I'm 25. I'm healthy as hell. Or I'm, I'm still under my mom's and my mom's plan or whatever. Cause as soon as you hit 30 though, you know, that's when everything changes. You say, Oh, wait a minute. We got 401k. What should I do there? Oh, pensions. How, how long do I got to work? Here Not for? only that, but, but that's the time when everything starts to hurt. <laughs> I was, I was invincible in my twenties. I tell you that, oh, but yeah. man, Oh, now my back hurts. Oh, you know, yeah. I, I, now, now, now I'm, I'm that old beard. I'm that old guy who's, you know, telling them, man, you really got to take care of yourself. You, you do have to use those, those, uh, three points of contact getting on the package car. Yeah, it's a company thing. They don't want you to get hurt because it's going to cost some money, but you don't want you to get hurt. Ah, uh, shut up, old man. Money. Get out of my way. Let the young guys do this. Come on, move. Man. Right. I remember the first time a driver sure. called me old man, and I was like maybe 30, early 30s, and I was like, <laughs> okay. And uh, he, he didn't make it long with the company. He was a burner, and I believe many of us were burners yeah. when we first start, you know, driving, you know. But 
it, it, he, he I, don't, I haven't seen him at the company since. Um, I mean, good guy and everything. He's just, you know, young guy, typical, like, oh, let me show these old timers what it's about. But as they, sure. you know, as, as cliche as it is, you know, this is, this is a marathon, not a sprint. And that's what, that's what, really I'm, that's what I'm trying. I got 15 more years left. I'm, I'm hoping that there's a way to make it 10 years. I don't know, but 15 years lo- looks like it's going to be the, the, uh, what it is. And I, I'm just trying to give back as much as I can before, you know, it gets to that point to where really no one's listening to me. You know I mean? I, I see the retired yeah, yeah. guys. I respect the hell out of them. I know they went through shit that I couldn't even imagine, but it's, it's, again, even there's even a disconnect there. I'm 40. Maybe I'm talking to a 60, 65-year-old. I love hearing the stories, but there's just not a lot there that I can relate to because the times are so different. So I, I take that into consideration, again, when I'm talking to a 20, 25-year-old. Like, you know, but. I, for, for me, um, being, being a union member in Oklahoma, um, no offense, I, I feel like being a union member in Oklahoma can, can be harder because uh, it's, it's not California. Uh, we're not a right-to-work state. I mean, we are a right-to-work state. Mm-hmm. We have um, 6% unionization rates uh, compared to 16% out there. And, um, you know, it, it can be hard. And uh, uh, I, I'm lucky that I, I'm lucky that I grew up in it. I, not, not to take away from any of that, but, you know, I, I grew up in it. Um, and then I, before I came to, uh, before I came to the company, I was involved with the industrial workers of the world. And, and then the IWW, Shout you know, out to we, the wobblies, we, wobblies. <laughs> um, I, I actually got a, a message. Um, we're, we're going to restart a uh, wobbly branch here. So I'm pretty excited about it. And I should be going on a podcast in a couple of days about that. So I'm pumped. Man, blast that one out. I want to um, see, I want to hear that. I, I, I'm, I, the wob- yeah. uh, not to sidetrack, but the wobblies fascinate me. I actually got a book on my nightstand right now that I haven't cracked in a few months, but it's still there of the, the basically it's one of the early books. It's a really thick book. It's damn. It's like, I don't know. It, it's really thick, but it, it was fascinating. Then I started reading the uh, 1934 Minneapolis teamster strike. But anyway, again, there. Yeah. Um, but, but go ahead. So, so nothing but respect for the IWW uh, shout out to those guys and to you, but go ahead. Um, I, I, so I think I got over a little of that headstrong nonsense kind of early on um, because the the IWW, for as radical and strong as it is, the institution, um, the, that support has not always been there. I mean, we, we have a, a long history in um, the Brotherhood of Teamsters, you know, 117 years. Um, but... Um, but but there 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 seems to be a sense of continuity, and um, really the the wobblies got got hit hard with the Palmer raids in the twenties and the thirties, and um, and really kind of decimated our, our numbers there. So um, and really didn't recover so, since, huh? I mean, little spikes no, here. No, there. no, yeah, you know, I mean, there, uh, there's really some groundbreaking work happening in the labor movement because of the wobblies and their actions today. Yeah, I've, I've, seen, I've just, seen a but, lot of but, action. I've, I have seen, I, I, I follow, follow them on, on social media, and I kind of, I, I do see the movement. So I, I, I but the I, membership, but the membership numbers, the membership numbers are just not what they were. And um, but it's such a great quality. It, like again, I apologize to cut you off. The numbers aren't there. I've seen the mm-hmm. numbers. I've seen the numbers from what they, how, how, how much they were. I don't have them in front of me, but I do, I do remember seeing how the numbers became decimated around that time, early 1900s. But man, the, 
they're they're a different breed. Yeah, I mean, you guys. It's, I, a, spirit. I, it's, it's a fighting spirit. It, it, yeah, there's there's a certain level there that I I I admire. I don't know how much clout you know the the those numbers that you have carry, but the attitude is is what I admire. So I'm I'm sorry. I just wanted to get that out there. No, I'm I'm, I'm glad you did because that's that's really what what drew me to the labor movement as a whole um, was was that that fighting spirit, the idea that. We can move beyond um, the the wage system, beyond what we have now, and, and work towards something better. I really got that from the Wobblies, um, the, the the Teamsters. That's bread and butter issues, and that stuff is super important. That that really makes it where families can can afford to to live, and and you know. Um, but the the Wobblies, that's where my heart is. Yeah, you know. Um, that, that, that spirit of, um, of progress of pushing forward and, and securing new victories, uh, of winning new things in whole new categories. Um, when we sit down to negotiate our contract as teamsters, you know, there, there are areas that we're all looking for as far as, you know, we want wage increases and we want, you know, safer working conditions and we want this on paper and we want that. But with the Wobblies as a as a union that's not based in the contract National Labor Relations Board world, um, for an, an organization that follow, that professes and follows through on solidarity unionism, mm-hmm. where all the workers are in communication with each other, and um, and they have the, the working class understanding that we are the ones that create the value, that we're the ones that make this organization run and that we can shut down everything just by putting our hands in our pocket. That, that is the mind frame that we have moved away from as a labor movement as a whole. Um, really, we need to, to have big visions and big dreams, and we need to figure out what steps we can take to move towards that. Uh, that's what I'm interested in. Yeah. That's what I'm interested in as, as a student of history, of psychology and sociology. Um, that's where my writing is. That's where these conversations come from. They come from a place inside of me that wants to figure out what utopia looks like. Maybe not for everyone, because I don't think that we can we can all just do one thing. But you know, let let a thousand blossoms bloom. Like what, um, what what works? What works for my community? What works for you? What works for you? Do? I mean, your community. So figuring out um, what we want the world to look like for ourselves and our kids and our, our communities. Uh, that's what I'm interested in, and I got interested in that. And that led me to the Wobblies, and it was this wonderful feedback loop. Um, at the end of the day, though, the Wobblies don't pay my bills; the Teamsters do. Mm-hmm. And I and and um, and we we have to remember bread and butter issues too. Um, we as Wobblies, we cannot be labor movement historical reenactors. 
We can't just sit around and talk about the good old days all day. It, it doesn't do anyone any good. We have to figure out, you know, where we want to go and then, and then go there. Well, let me just say that one of the, one of my strategies that I've, I, I, I personally am seeing work is, so as you know, I, I believe I shared this a couple episodes ago and, and, and as you are well aware of, I started doing t-shirts and, and there is a, they're pro labor t-shirts. It seems to, it's taking off. And what I've noticed yeah. why I started to do that was one to me, the t-shirt is a message. You are, when you are wearing that t-shirt, Teamster made t-shirt made in the USA t-shirt, whatever it is, when you are wearing that t-shirt with whether it's your, your, your union's logo, uh, a union message, or just a pro labor sign or, or insignia whatsoever, you're, you're displaying to everyone. I support my union. So and when you start to do that, like, let's say you don't even, because the, there have been people buying these shirts off me that I know, like, aren't, like, super pro-union. But, I mean, the shirts right. are clean. They want to support it. And with that, I believe a sense of pride is, is, is being born there of, wow, you know, I, I, I'm proud to represent this shirt. I've actually had people tell me I'm, I was proud to wear that you know, on the sort or out in public. When I wear my stuff, um, I got I got the the California uh, li- black license plate with yellow trim. It says Teamsters across That's tight, it. By the way, that is super <laughs> freaking clean. If you're listening to this podcast and you don't have that shirt, order that damn shirt. Um, I, I'm going to have him make me one for Oklahoma local eight eight six. That is a clean looking shirt, y'all. I am working on custom orders, but it, it is, it, it is so big and bold and simple that every time I wear it out in passing, someone just says, Damesters, like it's not a conversation. They don't even look at me when they say, you can tell they're just really saying it cause it's right in, in their face. So I believe, yeah. I believe it's important to, to help these younger guys Younger guys, younger gals, everybody, don't matter what age, actually, to have a sense of pride of being in a union. Um, you also spoke Definitely. on, you also spoke on, on, um, like in my household, I, my, I, I, I try to make it clear, hey, you know, I'm a part of a union here. You know, you guys know I'm Teamsters. I, I want the kids to know what a Teamster is, or at least in general. You know, I, I want them to. Right. I want them now. I'm not saying my oldest or my youngest are going to join and, and, and become teamsters when they older when they're older. I hope they do. I would love for them to. But if they don't and they they pursue their dreams, that's what I want most. I want them to be happy when they grow up and do what they do. But I want them to also when they grow up to if you're not going to be a part of a union, at least support us, support our cause in whatever industry you're in. And then that's where. So I, I I'm on my end. I'm about creating pride within the individuals and informing the younger base, how important it is again, younger. And I'm talking about my kids. If, if we all, all of us that are union members, take a look at what you're doing in your household. Are you making it clear to your family that, Hey, this union is what's putting, putting food on the table. This is what's making us stay healthy through these hard times. Are the kids aware of that? Because I want these kids to grow, to grow up and understand our, our cause. I just, Again, they don't have right. to, they don't have to be in the warehouse, but if they see a strike, I don't want my kid to cross the picket line. I want my kid to support that strike uh, to right. somewhere they so at least that. So again, if if you're out there, take a look at how how are you representing your union just even in your household? Do, the, do are is your family aware? Like you don't have to rub it in their face every day, but 
every once in a while I'll ask my little one. I said, what's a teamster? She says, someone who works hard. I was like, yeah, you know, at least you got that part right. You know, I'm not going to break <laughs> it all down to you about how, you know, fair wages, great benefits, all this and that. But, you know, yeah. the seed is planted. And that's what I'm all about is just planting seeds in various ways through the podcast, through T-shirts, through my family, and, and, and just constantly just letting people know that I'm, I'm proud to be a Teamster. I love being a Teamster. If you if you if you ask my son what a what a teamster is, my son is five. If you ask him what a teamster is or, or what a union does, um, he he could answer you pretty well. Um, not not the intricacies of you know logistics and transportation, but he could tell you um, that Daddy worked some really crappy jobs before, where the boss was not very nice and. Um, and then daddy was unemployed and did not like that very much. And, uh, and times were tough because other people, uh, at those jobs agreed with daddy. Um, but daddy was shit out of luck because the boss didn't like him because he was an organizer. <laughs> and, um, you know, because I, I, I spoke up. So my son can tell you, you know, what, what being in the union means is the boss cannot just be mean to you all the time and you can't do anything about it. He understands what that is. Sure. He understands what it's like for people to be mean to him. Mm-hmm. It sucks. People are mean to kids all the freaking time. And he understands that he understands that people can be mean to grownups too. And kids don't always understand that. But what grownups don't always understand is you don't have to put up with it. So you mean that, we that have that's... we have rights, Daddy? You know, it's like then get into that conversation. Let me tell you what your rights are, kid. You know, <laughs> I look forward to that. I, well, I, yeah. I can't wait till my kids get at their jobs, and then as soon as uh, you know, I don't want to be the dad that shows up to the to the work spot because the boss was a dick. But best believe I'll be showing right. my kids the you know our our rights as employees. <laughs> well, definitely. You know what the the phrase that I hear more than anything is like, I, I don't want to file a grievance. I don't want to say anything because I don't want to rock the boat. Yeah. No one wants to rock the boat. Well, um, I like rafting. Mm, me too. You know, I, 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 I like getting in that boat and, um, you know, if, if I can rock the boat, um, but what that means is that, uh, is that the guy who's working on the dock doesn't get fired because boss wants to hire his brother-in-law. Uh. Um, then, then I'm rocking that damn boat. You know, that, that doesn't happen in a union shop. Um, the, the whole favoritism, uh, where, you know, your boss is just hiring their friends and then you're out of luck. That doesn't happen. We have seniority, you know, we have all of these things, but like you said earlier, you know, bravery, doesn't really mean anything if you don't have anything on the line. You know, rights on paper are just that. They're just on paper unless you breathe life into them and bring them into the workplace until you bring them onto the shop floor and you bring that spirit to the people that you work with where they can say, hey, hold on a second. You know, you're telling us that we need to drink more water um, but you're not providing breaks to do that. Yeah. Or, you know, you're telling us, hey, we, you know, it's really important that you wash your hands right now through this thing. 
And then our, our part-timers inside are getting 10 minute break for an entire shift. Mm. That's, you know, um, it's, it's being able, um, and willing and then following through with saying something when something's not right. And not everybody can do that. That's, you know, that's fine. That's what you have shop stewards for. Um, if you're not comfortable, if you don't want to put yourself in that situation, you know, please come find me, come find Jeremy, come, you know, find one of our stewards at, at, at your building. But, um, at the end of the day, uh, it's important for us as stewards to let our members know you can do this too. You can do this too. What I'm doing, um, is, it's not magic. It's not anything special. You can advocate for yourself too, and you must, because your company is not going to advocate for you if it doesn't impact their bottom line. And the bottom line uh, is sometimes the grave dirt above our heads. Oh, you know, man. we have to make sure that we are that we're safe, that we're taking care of ourselves, uh, and that we're taking care of our neighbors, that we're taking care of our families. And, and that's all we can do. We're, we're creeping, we're at about the hour and a half mark right now, and this shit flew by, and I don't even think <laughs> we touched on the majority of, of the things I, I thought we could hit, and that's fine, because you know what, I, I believe we're going to have more conversations down the road uh, on this show, so that that's not a problem. But I do, before we wind this down, uh, I do see my wife and kids kind of giving me some looks now, like, come on, it's time. I do, I'm at the side eye too. <laughs> I do want to have. I do want to end this on a lighter note. I I, I kind of posed this on, on my Facebook last night on on my personal Facebook. Now let's say the dust settles, everything passes, everyone's healthy that you that you know and love, and now it is time to continue on in what I've seen be referred to as America 2.0. What is the first thing you want to do with your family, your loved ones? After the cure is here, we can we can take a little bit more risks than what we've been doing the last couple of weeks. And you know what? This might this probably last what a year and a half, two years maybe. What is the first thing you yeah. would like to do with your family? Oh, the first kind of trouble I can get into. Well, um, my my daughter's birthday is in three days, and we are going to spend her birthday in isolation in my backyard. So I want to take her out. To do whatever she wants. Um, if we're if we're going out of state, we're going to the water park. Um, then that's what we're doing. Um, I I want to make that blue eyed little girl. I want to make her so freaking happy because um, we're in isolation and she she broke her damn arm oh, two I days ago. She got pins put in it. Ah, oh. and um, she looked and like she looked like a trooper though. She looked like she was holding up. The picture Dude, that I saw. She she... Is, She's tough. Okay. When we went to when when we went to the hospital and um, you know they asked her what her pain was on a scale of one to ten, she said it's a two. <laughs> she had she had surgery. She had pins put in it. Like she's tough. So um, shout out to her. I want to do whatever that little girl wants. What I want to do, I want to go out and eat a big old nasty buffet. <laughs> I want to eat everything in the place. I'm telling you, I want to go to a Chinese buffet. Um, you know, we, so, so, all right, I know you're trying to get on a white note, but like our Asian American community, 
um, is really being attacked right now in a lot of places, including the White House, um, because of this coronavirus thing. And that's bullshit. So, um, you know, reach out to communities of color, especially in, in, uh, in this period of time right now, if you are, if you are white or white presenting, like reach out because, um, because all businesses need your support right now. All small businesses need your support and your help. But like those folks are getting it. They're getting hit hard. Um, you know, there are racist attacks every single day. So, um, not only am I going out to support them, but man, I am going to tear up some orange chicken. Ah, I'm glad you ended it with chicken. I thought it might go somewhere else. <laughs> Just play. Well, you know, I, whatever you got to do, man. <laughs> I, no. Daddy likes to eat. I, I do too, and I, I'm, I'm, I think more, and, and I, I'm, I think one of my things I said last night was I wanted to hit up Vegas hard because I thought there might be. I, I'm anticipating a bunch of a uh, Corona cure parties out there i'm not a party or type but i like the vibe i like the setting i don't want to be in the middle of it but then my my business agent commented he said yeah if they're still there i said oh good point because that's you know when you're so i'm gonna keep my eye on that i haven't heard nothing about vegas since they shut down um i do love vegas uh it's just you know it's just kind of somewhere where you can really just let loose and and not care uh there's plenty of places yeah oh yeah um but, I, you know, there or San Diego, I just want to go somewhere either where I can party my ass off with everyone else celebrating that we made it, or I want to go relax my ass off somewhere else and just sit on a beach somewhere with a Corona in hand and mm. just enjoy mm. it, man. You know, that's, that's all I want to do. Again, you know, taking these things for granted. I'm not big on trips with my family. Not Nothing against my family. It's just I'm on the road all day. You know, unfortunately, I do right. want to not move. Um, but when we do go on those trips, you know, I, I – I'm deaf. I, I look forward to them, you know, a, a whole new yeah, perspective yeah. from me too. So, you know, I just want to enjoy it. You know, I want to get back to normal, but you know, we're not going to get back to normal if people are out there, you know, not respecting the boundaries, you know, the measures put into place. So, you know, just please continue to do it. I I'm keeping my every day, every week, I, I add something new to my routine of practicing safe distance or maybe a new layer mm-hmm. or, or, you know, something you know, a new level of cleanliness or something, just a, a sanitation. But folks, if, if you're out there, you know, if, if you see people out there not respecting those safety measures put into place, just keep your distance from them. That's what I do. I mean, there, there's still customers coming up to me almost damn near face to face. And it's like, step back and like, whoa, you know, hey, aren't you aware of what's going on, bud? So this, this, this social distancing thing really is the bare minimum that, that we can do. And, and it will, it will get so much worse if, if people can't maintain the bare minimum. Um, so whether you're out in the community, uh, as package car drivers, we come across people all the time and, you know, we do with a lot of people. Um, so if you're out in the community, you know, make sure that, that you're, you're, uh, taking those sorts of precautions. They're going to keep you safe. But not just you, because you um, can be asymptomatic and still a carrier. Yes. You know, uh, I, I, I had a, a workman come out to my house today, and dude looks great. You know, he wanted to shake my hand. I just gave him a little head nod instead, you know, because yeah. <laughs> um, because he could be sick and not know it. And, and what that, the, the ramifications for my family could be huge. So, um, but not only just out in the community. But when you come back to the bar at the end of the day, 
and you see, uh, or, or before you leave and you see your preloaders and your reloaders and stuff there, make sure that, that they're, they're, um, able to be safe too. Say something to management, say something to, to your supervisors, their supervisors, talk to the safety committee. Um, because those safety measures should be in place at work too. Yes. Just because we're, we're essential workers um, doesn't mean that we don't have to be careful at work. We are essential workers. We're, we're not expendable. And, um, and so we, we, have to, uh, we have to make sure that we're still, still able to get to work to get all the necessary uh, goods out to people who need them, to hospitals, that we're getting food to grocery stores. That's important stuff, what we're doing, y'all. Um, and we, we need to be able to continue doing that. We need to stay healthy and, um, and we need to take care of each other. We need to take care of our families and our friends and our neighbors and our communities. We need to take care of our old people and our poor people. Um, so if you're not working right now, figure out what you can do to plug in and help out. Um, if it's the labor movement, um, you know, Reach out to the Teamsters. Reach out to the AFL-CIO. Uh, reach out to uh, one of these groups online, Stewards Resource Center on Facebook. Um, just reach out and see what you can do to, to plug in. Um, if the labor movement is not your thing, and that's cool, uh, it affects you and it's important, but if it's not your thing, that's fine. Reach out to other people who are sewing, who are doing uh, child care for essential workers. Um, it's it, 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 for People who have, uh, you know, two family members going to work, what, what about the kids? Mm -hmm. So um, figure out what you can do to help out. If you're at work, you can help out too. You can make sure that your coworkers are safe um, and that the people that you depend on to get your job done, that they are going to be okay and that the people who depend on them are going to be okay too. And that's all I got. That's all I got to say. Um, thanks so much for having me on, dude. Not, not a problem, brother. Like I said, I look forward to the next one. I, uh, you know, I, I just want to piggyback on that real quick is, you know, there, there, there's a lot of places that we can be putting our time in to, to help get through this. Uh, you named a bunch of them right there. It doesn't have to be labor. It doesn't have to be, it, it could be whatever you're passionate about. And, and for me and for Zach, the labor movement is where our passion is. That's, that's what we want to help improve. That's what we want to help get through this. And, if you're just sitting there, what, what, what pisses me off the most is when people just sit there and all they do is complain and they don't do nothing. Complain, 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 don't do nothing. Just ask yourself, are you that person that's complaining? And what are you doing? Right. Complaining doesn't solve nothing. You're wasting time. You are wasting your time and your breath when you could be doing something positive or putting that energy towards something. And I used to be that negative person until one day I, I, I damn near felt like I had an out-of-body experience standing in line in my building waiting to bitch about my route and then to see, wow, I am in line to bitch about the same thing that these five guys in front of me are bitching. And you know what? I could have, that 15 minutes I stood in line to bitch about something, I could have been out probably fixing the problem myself that I had. So, you know, I, I know Absolutely. that's a sign to go. Hey, brother, um, <laughs> put, your, put your handle out there again. Put your Facebook, put your Twitter handle. Where can these people find you? We didn't even get into Stewards Resource Center, which is really one of the things oh, I wanted man. to talk about, but we had so much great stuff. Put your handles out there, and let's close this one out, brother. Yeah, uh, you can find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash official Zach Flash, Z-A-K-K-F-L-A-S-H. 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Zach Flash and uh, Instagram as well. And um, yeah, I'm out there. I, I want to continue this conversation. I want to I want to talk to your listeners, and uh, and I want to talk with you a whole lot more. Um, right now, my kids want me to feed them, so I'm going to head in. But um, but thanks again. Thanks you so much for what you do. Because um, because you and your podcast have really kind of been a leading light for me personally on figuring out my own growth as a uh, as a union member and a, as a teamster. So I, I want to thank you so much and thanks for having me on. It's all about planting those seeds, brother. Keep planting them and uh, we'll stay in touch. All right, feed those kids. All right, brother. All right, bud. Have a good one. I will one. later. Thanks, Jeremy. You too. Bye bye. And there you have it, folks. Another one in the books. Uh, Zach is an awesome dude. I, I had a great time talking to him. I love, I say it all the time, I love talking shop, and I could have kept going. But, you know, we got families and shit. Uh, hope you liked it. Hope you learned something. That's all we want to do is just put the word out. We just enjoy talking about this shit. He, he really does take it to another level with his Stewards Resources Center and all the things that he does. Uh, man, he makes me feel like I ain't doing shit, you know. But you can just tell he's real, he's authentic, he cares, and he just wants to progress this union just like just like I do. So uh, check him out, Stewards Resources Center on Twitter, on Facebook. You can hit me up at NorCal Teamster on Twitter, Thoroughbred Teamsters Podcast on Facebook, and Instagram, Thoroughbred Teamster. All right, I'm out.